Welcome to Quest, where we believe a great faith, great church experience, and great life is grounded in authentic relationship with God and living life with friends. Join us today in changing our world one friendship at a time. If you would like more information about connecting at Quest, stay tuned after the message. Well, a while back, my in-laws were visiting at my house, and there was this, this one night when Alexis and I were, we were laying in bed, and we heard this, this little sound of, of little voices down the hall. And everyone's already in bed trying to go to sleep, and, and we, we hear it. It's, it's my two daughters, and they're having a little argument, you know. So uh, imagine a three-year-old and a, a seven-year-old just kind of going back and forth and back and forth. And we're afraid, Alexis and I are afraid, that it's going to wake up my in-laws, her parents, and, and so we're just kind of waiting for it to get out of hand. And Fortunately for us, our girls kind of quieted it down a little bit, and, and it, was, it was silent. We were waiting there um, in the silence to see if we had to go address the situation, and it was quiet for probably, I would say, 10 or 15 seconds. It felt like a really long time, and then out of the silence, out of the silence, my three-year-old, who always has to have the last word, she just shouts, rock and roll! It's really funny. And the next morning, we were, we were talking about it over breakfast. I was talking with my in-laws about it. My, my mother-in-law, she said something interesting. She said, you know, because I, I was afraid that they were awakened and, and it was going to bother their sleep or whatever. And she's like, no, you know, it's interesting because we're not the adults who are responsible in the house. We're not the ones who have to pay attention to that. We're happy that you and Alexis had to go down the hall and address that situation. We just got to lay there and be entertained by the little argument that was happening. And it was, it was an interesting thing uh, for me to hear. Because I, I thought, what a great position to be in, to, to have already raised your kids. To, to, you know, 30 years ago, she would have had to deal with that and it would have been a burden. But today, she has none of that responsibility. And she just gets to delight in, in the little voices that are having this really funny conversation. And, and um, it kind of felt like a privileged position. And I was, I was really, I was happy for her, but not so much for me, but I was really happy for her. Anyway, <laughs> it was, it was a, a really fun moment. So this morning, though, we're going to dive into the story of Nehemiah, which has a very similar kind of thing. It's about this idea of responsibility and how much freer we can be when we don't have the burden or the weight of responsibility on us. And, and you know, as followers of Jesus, I, I think we often burden ourselves with all kinds of unnecessary things, especially in our day and age. In the contemporary world that we're in, there's so much to worry about, to think about, to let consume our brains. And, and, and I think it, it, it ultimately leads us to a place where we're not living our fullest freedom that's given to us in Christ, the, the one that, that he offers to us because of his life, death, and resurrection. At the end of the day, I want all of us in this room and online to be able to live as followers of Christ, trusting in his freedom, trusting that he is, uh, has done what he said he's done, and, and, and knowing that we can live peacefully in the relationship that we have with God. And, and I want to say, if you're interested in that today, if you've been, if you've had some, some of that stirring stuff in your mind that's, that's kind of burdening you or weighing you down, maybe it's anxiety, maybe it's fear, maybe it's something else, and you want to be free from that, pay attention to this story. 
I think this story has so much to to teach us about it. So uh, we're going to be focusing primarily in Nehemiah chapter 9, and we're going to focus really uh, closely in on verses 1 through 5. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open up to Nehemiah 9. If you don't, that's okay. I'm going to have the words on the screen here. But I want to just do a little bit of backup, a little bit of history so that you know some of what's been going on up until this point. You may recall two weeks ago, Ross talking about Haggai and, and, and how he went to, to rebuild the temple uh, that was destroyed. You know, so the, the people of God, they've been enslaved. Haggai is allowed to go. It's interesting how, how the people of God at this point in time have had so much favor with their enemy kings, allowing them to go and do things. In fact, being resourced to go and rebuild Jerusalem. It's, it's interesting. Nehemiah was sent. Nehemiah was sent back to Jerusalem with, with all kinds of provisions so that he could go rebuild the walls around Jerusalem. So the temple's being rebuilt. Then what happens, we have the story of Ezra uh, teaching the Torah to the people of, of, of God in Jerusalem. They're relearning what it means to be true followers of God. And then Nehemiah comes and he is rebuilding all of the city, the walls around the city. And so there's this moment when things are being restored for the people of God. And, and there's a celebration that happens. And this is, we pick this up in, in, in Nehemiah 8. There's a, it's called the uh, Festival of Tabernacles or Booze. You may have heard of it before. Essentially, it's a feast where the people of God, they read the word of God every day. They're feasting. And they've also built tents all throughout the city to remind them of what it was like after they came out of slavery from Egypt. So you have to think way back to Moses is what they're celebrating. All the way back to that time, they've come out, they're wandering in the desert, they're living in tents, they're, they're, the center of their place is the tabernacle tent where God resides, and that's what they're remembering. It's interesting, too, because that was that celebration of them coming out of slavery in Egypt. Here they are coming out of slavery in Babylon, and they're back in Jerusalem. The temple is rebuilt, the walls are rebuilt, and they begin to restore their life as people of God. This is, this is a new start for them. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. They're celebrating their feasting, and then we come to this moment in Nehemiah 9. The people have this relief after so many years of captivity, they're back in their homes. They're with their people. It's probably even better than that moment when the grandmother gets to listen to her grandchildren fighting in the back and rock and roll. Guys, that was hilarious. Before we dive into the story, I want you to think about this for yourself. What's a moment in your life where you've experienced some of that freedom, some of that relief? You know, and, and, and you just, you feel a little bit lighter, uh, a little bit more able to, to live in your life. For me, when, when we paid off the, the loan that I, I owed for my car, it was completely paid off. I remember thinking, wow, this is great. I don't have to make this, you know, payment every single month. It's really great. It feels light. What was, what was a moment for you where, where you felt that lightness? I want, I want you to keep that in mind today as we're talking through this story. So just, just think about that. I know for teenagers, I've heard a lot of of them whenever they tell me about they're getting their driver's license and they're like it's so great i have all this freedom i can go and do stuff what, what was that what's that for you what's that lightness that you've experienced i know it's just a fraction of the taste of what god ultimately has for us but it's important for us to keep that emotion with us as we're we're reading this story so we're gonna we're gonna read this nehemiah 9 i'm gonna start in verse 1 it reads this way the words are on the screen on the 24th day of the same month 
the Israelites gathered together, fasting and wearing sackcloths and putting dust on their heads. Those of the Israelite descent had separated themselves from all foreigners. They stood in their places and confessed their sins and the sins of their ancestors. Now I want to stop right here and just address the first part of of verse 2 here where it says, Those of Israelite descent had separated themselves from all the foreigners. On the surface, this might sound a little bit segregationist, but in, in, in our cultural norm, what's going on right now, this could be really problematic. So I want to explain it away so that you understand what's actually happening. There's two things to really note. First, it's been explicitly stated over and over throughout the Old Testament how the the call of God to redemption and relationship is for all people, not just the people of God, but for all people in the world. We we read it in Genesis 12.3, Exodus 19.6. You can mark these and, and look at them up later. Isaiah 42, Isaiah 49. Ultimately, the role of the Israelites is the people of God, the chosen of God, uh, is to act like a priest holy and separate to mediate and restore relationship between God and the rest of the nations of the world, to share with the world what it looks like to follow God, to be a light to all the nations. Ezra 6.21 mentions that the Gentile people, this is an example of it, the Gentile people partook of the celebration of the temple completion that just happened during Passover, and the nations outside of the people of God are being restored into relationship with God because of what the people of God are doing and how they're living. See how that works? They become a light to the nation and people are, are drawn into that and they are restored into relationship with God. So, so keep verse 2 in context with the complete story of God. And Now here's, here's something that's more precisely what we're talking about here in verse 2. This moment in verse 2, it's an act of honoring the Torah. The people of God have just read the Torah and they want to be as obedient as they can to God to demonstrate how faithful they, they are, how serious they are about their commitment. And, and you, can, you can think of it like this. The separation that they're doing from the foreigners is essentially like the temple priest. Before he would go into the temple on the Day of Atonement, he would separate himself, free himself from all sins so that then he could come and, and, and offer sacrifices for forgiveness for the sins of the people on the outside. They're demonstrating their obedience to God in this moment. All right, let's continue on in verse 3. They stood where they were, and they read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for a quarter of the day. Then they spent another quarter in confession and in worshiping the Lord their God. Standing on the stairs of the Levites were a group of men. In your Bible, there's a list of names. I'm not going to read them. They cried out with loud voices to the Lord their God. And the Levites, another group of men, I'm not reading them because I would be embarrassed up here. And so um, you can try and sound them out yourselves. And the Levites, they said, stand up and praise the Lord your God, who is from everlasting to everlasting. And now the story goes on, and it's this beautiful prayer after this. The priest Ezra is praying this prayer, thanking God for all of the ways that he provided for the people. It's, it's elaborate. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. I encourage you to read all of Nehemiah, but, but focus in on, on Nehemiah 9 because it's so great. In fact, as I, was, as I was reading through the book trying to figure out what I was going to preach today, I got to Nehemiah 9 and I thought, this is it. 
I, I have to preach on this. I have to talk about this. This is, this is so important for us as we're, we're seeing the people of God who are, who their, their lives have been restored. And what they do in the midst of this is they choose to fall down on their faces, humbly submit before God, confess their sins aloud, and, and, and try to honor and obey them with, with their lives. And, and so they, they pray this prayer that just speaks to, to how much God has continued to care for them, to provide for them over the years from creation all the way through to the to the current moment that they're living in how he is over and over exceedingly patient and abundant with provision and and everything and 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 long-suffering especially everyone uh, today seems so divided over every opinion and statement in fact i don't know how many of you are on social media a lot but i i I scroll at least twice a day um, through Facebook and Twitter, and, and it's so hard to, to see the division that's happening, not only in our community, but even in our churches. And, and for me, one of the things that it's led to is, is a sense of um, paralysis in my voice. I'm afraid that if I speak what I believe, that I might offend someone. And they, they won't listen to what I have to say about the, about God or faith or, or the fact that He wants to be in relationship with them. And, and so I, I feel this, this, um, this sense of paralysis that, that my voice, my proclamation is going to drive people away. But the truth is that God, God's desire for His people is reconciliation for all people, for the world. He wants all nations to come to him and be unified with one another and with him under the law of grace. This is where freedom comes. This is where lightness comes. This is where joy comes from. When, when we know, we trust that God has already forgiven us. And so we can boldly speak. We can boldly uh, live. We don't have to fear what anyone might say to us or about us because God accepts us. And this is right where the, the people of Nehemiah are experiencing here in, in Nehemiah 9. To pay attention. So then what they were doing is they heard the law that was read to them. That's when they began to confess their sins. Pay attention to what's happening here. They read the law heard it, talked about it, discussed it, and they realized that in their life there were moments where they were not obeying God, and so they stood in front of their people right around them, and they confessed their sins aloud and said, please forgive us, God, forgive us for these sins. This is, this is beautiful. This is, this is ultimately what, what, what God has prescribed for them to do as they read the books of the Torah, the, the first five books. They hear these words and they know we're not living up to the call of God. And so let's repent of our sins. Let's submit to the authority of God. Let's live the way that God has called us to. Remember, these are the people of God. They're, they're the visual reminders of what it looks like to follow him. These were the priests to the nation. So their confession, their repentance is leading other people to do the exact same thing. Exodus 19 verses 5 and 6 says, Although the earth is mine, this is God speaking, Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. You will be a light to the rest of the world. The world was looking to the Israelites for how to follow God. And the answer in this moment was about humility 
It was about submission and surrender to the authority of God. It was about repentance and confession and forgiveness. As I was reading it, I was thinking, well, what, if, what, if, what if the people of God chose something different, a different path? What if they heard the word of God spoken to them? They, they're reading it and they're, they're sitting with each other talking about it. And they decided, you know what? We really prefer the way that we were living in Babylon. We prefer their ways over the ways of God. It's a little bit easier. It's less work. What, what, what would have happened if, if they had done that? I, I'm, I'm thankful that that's not the case. Very thankful. Because the reality is, is that when we live under God's law and authority in our life, when we're living in submission to what he has for us, there is great freedom knowing that we are children of God, that we are forever accepted, that we are already forgiven. So the fact that they chose to confess their sin shows how much they trusted in who God was. They trusted in what he had already done for them throughout the years for their people. He had continually, continually provided for them. He continually forgiven them over and over and over and over again. For them, the fear of condemnation, the fear of retaliation, the fear of judgment, it was non-existent because they knew the character of God. As they read the Torah, they knew who God was and how he was going to react and respond whenever they confessed their sins. And that is where freedom comes. When we don't fear judgment, that's when we're free to expose our inadequacy. When we trust that what God has told us is true, that's when we're freely willing to confess our sin. God showed the Israelites again and again, I will forgive you. I will forgive you. I love you. I accept you. You are my people. I, all of your shortcomings, I forgive those. And they recount those moments, hearing the word of God read to them. They're emboldened to follow the same path as their ancestors who confessed their sins before them. And like I said, this is something that's happening out in public. It's something they're doing in, in, in like community with others. They're, they're talking out loud about their sins. You might be thinking right now, Jeremy's talking about this. We're in a public setting, those of us who are in this room. He may ask us later to confess our sins publicly. Just wait. I'm, I just want you to uh, squirm a little bit. Like, um, I may. You know, we'll see. Okay. But here's the thing, they're gathered together, they're confessing their sins aloud to God. There's no shame for them because God is saying, you don't have to be ashamed of this. There's no fear. He's saying, you don't have to be afraid of this. I forgive you. I accept you. You're already forgiven for, for those sins. Those sins are already forgiven. There's two things that are, that are really important for us to note in this moment. One, if, and this is super important, as Christians today, if you are not confessing your sins to God, there possibly is a reason why that's happening, and it could potentially be an internal condition of your faith that you need to explore. I'm going to say that again. If you are not currently living your life in a way where you're confessing your sins to God, where you're saying, Lord, I have failed in this place. Please forgive me for this. If you're afraid to do that, it's possible that there's an internal condition of your faith that you need to explore. Maybe you don't trust God. Maybe you don't believe that you're already forgiven. Let me tell you right now, if you are a follower of Jesus if you have said, I want to be reconciled to you, God, I want you in my life, I want to humbly submit to the authority that you have for my life, then your sins are forgiven once and done forever. Past, present, future sins that you haven't even committed, they are forgiven. God frees you from them. You don't have to fear. He's reconciled you to him. 
He believes in you. When we confess our sins, ultimately what we're doing is we're saying, we trust in the forgiveness that you've already given to me. So if you're afraid to do it, there might be an internal condition of your faith that you need to explore. Ask this question, am I comfortable confessing my sins to God? If not, ask yourself why. Invite the Holy Spirit into that conversation so that, so that the Holy Spirit can show you that place where there's a disconnect between what you know about God and what you ultimately believe and trust in God. I want to elaborate on this just a little bit. I said some of this just a second ago, but when you choose to follow Jesus, your sins are forgiven. You may ask as a result of that, why then should I have to confess my sins? If my sins are already forgiven, if God has already let go of those, past, present, and future, then why in the world should I have to confess? That's a great question. I think it's a wonderful question, and we need to ask it. But here's the reason why. When we choose to follow Jesus, we are new creations. We are made new in him. We are born again. And, and there's this old self that we put off, and we're, we're putting it away. And ultimately, what we're doing is when we're confessing our, our sins, we are waging war against the old self. Here's the truth, guys. In this room and online, there's not a single one of us that is without sin. Even as Christians, we still sin. Shocked, right? I sin. I absolutely sin. I have to confess my sins on a regular basis, on a daily basis, so that I can feel like I have integrity standing up here talking to you about this. We need to be doing it. Because when we do it, we are waging war on the old self. We're putting it to death. And we're saying, no, I am a new creation in Christ. This is how we are remade into the image of God, into Christ's likeness. This is all found in, in Colossians 3. And God is faithful and just and has forgiven us of our sins. But if we're choosing to not confess our sins, then ultimately what we're doing is we're living this illusion of a life of Christianity. We're not following him. We're not doing what he's called us to do. When we confess our sins, this is really important. Confession of sins is not the basis of our forgiveness. Confession of sins is the fact that we know that we're already forgiven and we're saying to God, we trust. We trust that you have already forgiven us. Trust in his forgiveness leads to confession. Second issue that's really important that you may not recognize if you're not confessing your sins is you, you may not know what those sin patterns are in your life. You may not recognize the things that you're doing, how you're living, what you're believing, what you're, what you're thinking is a sinful pattern in your life. And the way that you discover that, the way that you find out is exactly what the people of God did in Nehemiah 8 and 9. They first read the word of God. They invited this, this moment of the Holy Spirit to come in and, and convict them. I don't think they called it the Holy Spirit, but that's ultimately what happened. The Holy Spirit comes in, convicts them of their sin, and they confess it. That's the same thing that we need to be doing. If you don't recognize any sin in your life, if you're walking around saying, man, I'm pretty good, I'm doing great, everything's fine, no, it's not. Forgive me, <laughs> but that's the truth. Read the Word of God regularly. Get into his word, know his story so that you can compare your life to what's going on. And in that moment, when you see that disconnect, invite the Holy Spirit in and say, let me confess my sins. Let's do it regularly. 
I love how the boldly the, the people of God confess their sins. I earlier mentioned my own vocal paralysis. You know, fear is a strong oppressor. It, it plays out in many different ways, but we have no reason to fear. Scripture tells us over and over that, that there's no reason for us to fear. See, me ultimately being afraid to speak out about my faith, whether it's online or someplace else, is really just an indication to me that I value someone else's opinion of me rather than God's opinion. That's called idolatry. I have to confess that on a regular basis because my sins are forgiven even though I may practice idolatry. The truth is God loves me and he should be priority in my life. And no man can say anything or hold anything against me because my God already has me. I'm secure under the law of grace in Christ Jesus. Tony Evans says it this way. When you think about grace, think about its wings. Its ability to lift us up and take us beyond what our experience is. Grace is an overcoming empowerment that provides strength that comes in one of three ways. It's strength to be delivered from, strength to be moved through, or it's strength to be changed in the midst of. Any of those three things have the same result. Strength that you didn't initially have until someone from heaven, God, the Holy Spirit, came down and joined you on earth to help lift that weight that appeared too heavy for you. Grace gives us power to overcome. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Grace brings freedom. Trust in God brings confession. And confession brings us being made into the likeness of God. So when you look at your neighbor in the eyes or you read their comment on social media, it's important to remember that you are forgiven. So boldly speak the truth that you know. But remember this. Christ offers that same freedom. Christ offers that same forgiveness to that person. And where you see sin in their life, begin to pray for them rather than judging them. Allow Christ to do that work. Those people are just as cherished and loved uh, by God as you are. Let us be people who are helping others be restored to God. Let us be the light in the world just as the people of God were. Today, as followers of Jesus, this is our responsibility. The law of grace, the habit of confessing, reading scripture regularly, comparing our lives to what's going on, ultimately should lead to growth in the kingdom of God, both individually as our faith grows, but also numerically as the church of God grows. It should lead to you and I exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit. Examine your life. See where you're, you're living out love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Freedom comes when we're no longer worried about the wage that we owe. But knowing that our debt's already paid and we can live free and confident. I want to say this. Historically, revival has happened in the church after periods of confession. In the midst of all the confusion around us, more than anything, I want to see the church experience revival in pockets and in big places. I've seen a little bit of it right now in, in some of the social media posts. Of stuff, some of the stuff's going on in California. I'm really excited to see how people are boldly living out their faith. I'd love to see it break out here. I'd love to see it break out across the city and across the state and across our nation and across the world where people are saying, I don't care anymore because I know that God has me. He's forgiven me, and so it doesn't matter. Let's make his name great. But I want to I step into a place today where maybe we practice a little bit of that. And so I am going to ask us to do a little bit of confession. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask you guys to stand up right now. Go ahead and stand up. You won't be standing for too long. But I'm going I'm to pray a prayer. 
And in a moment, I'm going to get silent. And I'm going to let you pray however you need to. Maybe it's uh, internally. Maybe you speak it out loud. Maybe you even turn to your neighbor and you say, I need to confess this sin to you because it was against you. Whatever it is, I want us to maybe take a moment and begin to confess our sins. Invite the Holy Spirit into, into this moment and, 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 and allow him to show you those places where your life is not lining up with what God has called you to and confess it. Repent of it. Turn from it. Ask for forgiveness. Receive the forgiveness that God has already given to you. Does that make sense? So I'm going to pray for a little bit, open it up, and then I'm going to give space for us to just confess that. It may get loud in here if, if you begin confessing out loud. That would be cool. It may not get loud in here because you may be confessing your sins to God just personally, and that's cool too. Let's just see what God does, but let's take this first step. Let me pray for us. Holy God, we open our hearts to you this day. We offer the truth of our lives that, that we, we live sometimes in fear that stifles us, that, that we have prejudice that blinds us. We have doubt that plagues us. We have places in our lives where, where sin runs rampant. And Lord, today we want to confess that to you. We want to claim the forgiveness that you've already given to us because of your son, Jesus Christ, and his, his blood and the work that he did on the cross. So help us, we pray, that we might find courage to see the world with new and gracious eyes, to move to those places where, where love is needed and we might have faith that you are with us in the midst of it and ultimately that we might be shaped into people who look so much more like Christ. So Lord, we confess these things to you now. Father, forgive me for my worry and my anxiety. I confess that I am afraid and that I don't trust you enough. Come, Holy Spirit. Forgive us, we pray. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I just want to say, you know, just like the people of God were the light to the nation, so we too are. As we go out from this place, how we live our lives, the way that we follow God, the way that we confess our sins, the way that we show love to other people leads them to Christ. And so I want to, I want to send you with this blessing. Friends, this is good news for all of the world that Christ was born. He lived and died and rose again that we would be freed from sin and death. So know that. Know that indeed you are forgiven and be at peace. 
and go and share that good news with everyone that you encounter this week. Thank you so much for worshiping with us. We hope to see you again next week. We hope you encountered the love of Jesus in this message. If you'd like to be a part of the ministry God is doing through Quest, whether in person or online, go to questvineyard.org for more information. If you want to worship God by supporting Quest financially, go to questvineyard.org slash give. May God bless you this week as you partner with God to change the world one friendship at a time.